Welcome to Inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room. I am your host, Josh Pappas. I am the Director of Sales at Tendo. I work with health system leaders, helping drive a more consumer-driven patient experience at Tendo. And I'm super excited today to welcome to the locker room, Gabby Polche, who is the SVP of Sales at a Millennium Alliance. And super excited as a reminder, for those of you new to the podcast, the goal here is intersection of digital health and sales and to hopefully help have a fun kind of sports themed way to be able to tackle some tough health system challenges. So welcome, Gabby, kind of a quick, quick introduction of yourself uh, for the listeners. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me on. So I've been with Millennium for almost six years. Um, worked my way kind of, it was crazy when I moved out here, I had no sales experience. I worked for like a nonprofit um, right after I graduated college. So I guess it was sales because you were at, we were like asking people for money, but completely different sell, right? You're just basically because you're a charity, you need money. Um, so I did that for two years and then I went to, a, it's actually a crazy, I'll say a quick story. I went to a bar in New York City. I was supposed to go to a festival it got rained out, so I ended up um, on Bleecker Street at this bar called the Red Lion with my friends. These people came up to us, started talking to us, and this guy, Sean, was like, you really need to work for my company. You'd be so good at sales. Like, why don't you just move to New York and just, like, take a chance on yourself and do it? And I was like, no way. I live in Albany. I know what I want, blah, blah, blah. And, like, the next day, I just thought it was, like, drunk and chat. And then the next day, he LinkedIn messaged me was like, I really want you to work here, convince me to take an interview. And then within like a week, I had just packed up all my stuff and moved out to New York City um, with like nothing and decided to take a chance on it and started as an SDR um, and, you know, worked my way up each year into different roles. Like, you know, how it goes like first it was account exec, then it was a senior account exec, and then it was managing some like sub teams. Like we have like subdivisions um, and then, so when I started, they started you as a, like a, like a junior account exec. It wasn't really called an SDR. Um, we didn't have like that division. So I was two years in and they came to me and said, we really want you to start up the SDR division. We think you'd be really good at it. Do you mind like coming up with a framework and let's trial it and see if we can get people going quicker. Cause it's really hard to get like junior salespeople good. Um, and we were missing a trick. We couldn't figure out how to get it going and how to do it quickly. Um, so I put together like a whole thing and we ended up now we have a fully functioning SDR team. We have a manager who's awesome, who heads up that. Um, and now I sort of oversee kind of a little bit of everything. So I close deals for my team. I help the SDR team, the other side of the business that works with the ho uh, hospital system execs um, and gets them to come to our events. I manage some of that. So I got to like dip my hand into a lot of different things here. Long story short, that's incredible, and and <laughs> an incredible story. Uh, you know, so once once this blows up and you get all the you know the books right, you heard it here first. That's an incredible entry into sales story. But um, right. I think we've all had you know that type of you know person who just kind of gave us a chance. So that's 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 fantastic. Um, yeah. Well, cup. Before we get into some of the segments, um, would love uh, kind of you know icebreaker. Uh, you shared with me that you were an all star um, on the basketball court. Uh, did I get that right? Uh, so I guess a, a quick, you know, quick, quick little, quick little icebreaker. You know, if 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 you could have dinner 
um, with any kind of former or uh, current basketball player, um, you know, male or female, who would it be? And then I, I can maybe answer that one as well. Yeah, yeah, I want to know what you say. Um, so I got two answers. It's women's basketball focus because obviously I have to. I played it in college, so I have to do that. So when I was growing up, I was a huge UConn women's basketball fan, like the most winning team in basketball. Plus, I grew up in Boston, so that was kind of like my team. Um, so Diana Taurasi was the starting point guard when I was like young. I was like eight or nine or something, and I was obsessed with her. Like when I saw her, I knew that I wanted to be a point guard, and like the way she was just a floor general. Now she's dealt with some issues with the law, but like she's still to this day, like one of the best floor generals and leaders that there ever was. So to have dinner with her would be amazing. Um, but then, cause mostly cause it's like a childhood obsession of mine. And then the other yeah. person is um, their head coach, Gino Ariema. So I know it's not a player, but he's like the second most winningest coach in all of women's basketball history. So I think he probably, I don't know. Have you seen like his clips when he talks about, how he feels about, you know, raising these girls in college and teaching them the values. He's just so smart. And I feel like he, I could learn so much from him. So I, either of those I would love. What about you? No, that, that's, that, that's, that's fantastic. I feel the same. I actually had a unique experience because um, in college helped out with the basketball team at UNC Charlotte. And um, I always say, you know, I was a, a great practice player. Um, that got to pretend to be the star player, um, you know, there on, on, on the uh, scout team. But in addition to that, sometimes we would actually scrimmage the, um, the women's basketball team. And so super appreciation, fundamental. They were just, you know, rock star. And it would be a, a fun way um, kind of in between classes. We would it was a group of like five to eight of us um, guys. And we'd, um, you know, kind of scrimmage, scrimmage with the girls team. So that was a great, um, great experience. Um, but my dad's a basketball coach and I actually grew up you know, when I was a little kid. Uh, working closely, we would travel with the men's basketball team. My dad was a high school basketball coach and the women's team, they played on the same, you know, the same night. And so I kind of hung out and grew up, so to speak, with the women's basketball team. So I would actually probably go opposite of you and say I really liked and would love to go to dinner, you know, with Pat Summit because I really, you know, respected her um, growing up and a lot, a lot of those as a coach. Um, and I think if I had on the on the men's side, my dad was good friends with Skip Prosser. I grew up actually going to Wake Forest basketball camp. So I was this weird kid. Everybody always still to this day asked me, Carolina or Duke? Um, and I'm like, well, my one brother's Carolina, the other brother's Duke. But I was always the odd kid living kind of in the Chapel Hill Triangle area that liked Wake Forest. So if I had to pick, it would probably be Chris Paul because I loved uh, Chris Paul. I had multiple Chris Paul jerseys growing up. But I um, also think he's kind of a stand-up guy and, um, you know, still still respect him to this day. So that's my, my quick uh, Pat Summit and Chris Paul. You know what? You, your answer might beat mine because I loved Pat Summit. I actually, when I played, so I played AAU, um, we used to play at these big showcases. And, of course, they're looking for, like, the next cream of the crop. And Pat Summit and Gino were at one of my games because I was playing these, like, top ten recruits in America. But imagine, like, I remember being, like, starstruck when they walked in. And this was pre-dementia and all of that from Pat. But, um yeah. Oh my God. I would, again, I would love to go to dinner with her too. That is a great answer. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. Um, the first topic we kind of do 
um, in, in, in sports center themed, um, a top 10, bottom 10. Um, so uh, it goes to you if you have a, you know, quick top 10 sales story that stands out and then, you know, maybe one, um, that, that wasn't as great as, as yeah. us all in the sales profession have. Yeah. I was going to say, I probably have more bottom 10. No. Um, let's start with the bottom. So, okay. So when I was, when I first started, I was like six months in, and I had a quick start. Like our sales cycle is a little different. Like I know in healthcare, when you're selling into a system, it normally takes like whatever, six to 12 months or longer. Um, for us, like I'm selling into tech companies. So I'm selling into somebody like Tendo. And um, typically like it can be anywhere from day of you get the deal done or like the average I would say is anywhere from like a week to two weeks. So it's a quick kind of sales process. Um, and I picked it up pretty quickly. Um, so I was six months in and I was working a little bit cybersecurity on the time at the time I was doing a little bit of both and this insanely big company, I ended up getting a call set with their CRO. And at the time, like I'm six months in basically an SDR. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, like I was so nervous and I remember he gave me time. I, I got him with a LinkedIn message that I guess was just like super vague. Like, I think I was just like, Hey, I have this group I'm working with. I think you'd be great. We should talk something like that. And he bit and he was like, all right, before my day starts 7 30 AM. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have no help because, <laughs> you know, no one's in the office at 730. No one could coach me. So I end up pitching him and I he introduces me to his CMO. Everything goes really well. I get the CMO pitch. My CRO at the time was helping me pitch her. She's like, yep, we're ready to do a deal. Two events. It was a, a huge deal to this date, the biggest contract that I ever put out. And I remember feeling like the man. Like I was like, oh my God, I'm six months in. Like I got a double event deal. It's easy. I could do this all day. Like, and you know, she tells me like, yeah, we, okay. So this was the red flag that I didn't know well enough to, to look into. She asked me after she told me she was ready to do a deal and send the contract. She asked me what the differences were between me and our competitor. And I remember thinking like, that was kind of weird. But at the time, now I know she was trying to source out. I think she was playing us both against each other. So anyway, I send the contract out and really think much of it. And then she goes radio silent for like two weeks. And at this point, I'm thinking like something's wrong. This is longer than the normal sales cycle. So two weeks go by, nothing. Then like a month goes by, nothing. The contract just never comes back. So like I go from everyone, you know, you don't celebrate a deal until it comes in, but like, they're all like, oh, this rookie kind of knows what she's doing. And I remember feeling like so embarrassed that I didn't close it tight enough or whatever. Finally, I get the CRO back on the phone, maybe like a month and a half later. And he's like, yeah, well, your competitor gave us a better deal and we went with them. So we're not going to work with you. It was the most heartbreaking ever, like to this day, the worst feeling in the world. I went from being like up here to like this. <laughs> upset. So I think that's, I think, I I, I think, I think everybody has, particularly when you first start, right. Because it's that adrenaline rush. Um, I, I tell people that, you know, sometimes, although, you know, maybe not that old in age and sales years, you start to, you start to, you know, until you see the DocuSign signature and even sometimes still then you're the, uh, the biggest, biggest pessimist, but you're good. You're looking for all those different red flags. And as you go, like, you know, higher up the enterprise, it's, 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 it's even more, but 
Um, I think yeah. everybody has that, um, you know, that, that, that high and low feeling. And that one's oh. unique too, because you had to like jump in the office, right? Too, you know, cause some of these remotes, it's, it's one thing, but then you're kind of going in when the slow motion walk and, you know, finger, know. finger pointing everybody to, oh. Where's your contract? I'm like, great question. I would love to know. I don't know. <laughs> and then it blows out. And you're just like, oh my. It's just, yeah, it humbled me for sure. I was like, <laughs> I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> That's good. So what about what what about the best one, right? Um, yeah, I was trying to think about this. So I think the like the most fun one I did, that would probably be the best one. So I was two years in. So we go to like industry events. We go to AHIP, HIMS, Health, Vive. And really the reason why I go is to meet with clients all in one spot. It gets me to be able to see them in person and bust out meetings that you typically have virtually. But also um, prospects wise, right? Like all those booths are my dream because it's everyone that's paying money to be at events that's looking for decision makers to walk by and probably isn't getting them. Um, and is looking for the opportunity to probably go to an event where they could get high level meetings, which is what we focus on. So it's a great place for me to be in order to like hopefully sell and get some new business. Um, so I'm two years in Matt Ahip in San Diego and uh, I had pitched this company. I pitched the, the way our sales process works is we start top down. So we usually start with CEO, then the CRO, then the CMO. Um, so I had actually went to lunch in New York City with the CEO and the CRO um, before this event. So I'd already pitched them. It was kind of teed up like at this point, like I knew I was going to AHIP. My goal was like to close them in person. I had never done that, like actually get like a signed signature like there in mm -hmm. person. Um, so, I, you know, I go by the booth the first day. He's like kind of waving me off like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk later. Like we have a happy hour tonight. Come to the happy hour. So it just happened to turn out that um, not that many like of their clients had showed up. So I ended up getting like a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with the CEO. Um, and like long story short, I ended up getting him to commit to two events. And I like went, I ran down to the hotel business center that we were at. We were on like a hotel rooftop. I printed out a contract because I had, I had already sent one into my email and like adjusted it. And like, ha I sat down with him and, like it was dark. So I was shining my flashlight while he, <laughs> while he signed. And so uh, I ended up doing a deal with him like on site there, like literally in the flesh. And I'd never done it before. Again, this isn't typical because you guys typically have to go through all the procurement. But for us, it's a one-page allocation form, so it's pretty simple. Um, and then when we left, I was in the elevator with my coworker, and, like, the elevator door closed, and we started, like, dancing of excitement. And, like, he ends up putting his hand in there and walking in. He was like, why are you dancing? We were like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. But, yeah, I think that was top ten. I, that was so cool. Like, I've never, ever closed a deal at that point in my career in person like that. So it was definitely rewarding. Well, that's going to be a legendary story as, you know, as the future generation, you know, you start talking about file print and, you know, you might, it might be, you know, new, new to somebody. So that's, that's, that's fantastic. And that's, that's definitely a classic. Um, it's a perfect segue. So on here, and it's been actually, you know, pretty, pretty well received and popular, you know, the typical MJ versus LeBron debate. And so I think we might actually have a couple, but let's start, um, with this one, because I think you have some good perspective on it. I mean, every single company, 
um, you know, sends out a spreadsheet and kind of has the let's get at the events on the radar, right? Startup to large company. And um, I think it's it's big now as things are remote. Um, so, you know, love the MJ versus LeBron debate um, on your perspective on these big mega conferences versus um, versus kind of a little bit more of the, you know, the membership and, and, and some of the similar models as maybe, you know, like a millennium or somebody else um, and kind of your, your, your thoughts on the two and perspectives on the two. And then I'll, I'd love to, to give to give some of my perspectives. Yeah. Um, obviously I'm biased because I think my model works the best, but no, exactly um, right. I think, I think they're good for different things. So I think, you know, specifically like the conferences like health and vibe, right. They're making their waves in the healthcare space. Whereas like three years ago, they really weren't big. The big ones were hymns and AHIP. And what I'm seeing, um, is really kind of hymns and AHIP taking the back seat. Maybe not as much hymns as AHIP is, but, in my opinion, the reason why companies like Health and Vive are doing so well is, A, they're just taking market share, right? They've got the biggest brand awareness that any of those larger trade shows have. Um, they've kind of made it like, you know, when you think of Health and Vive, you think of like the shop talk stuff with the caricatures and the they've just done a great job getting that market share. And in addition to that, Every, every vendor feels like they have to be there because everyone's there and you got the draw of like, what did they have? Ludicrous at the last event. Like they should get like the good, the, those like, you know, they, they have the draw. So, and that's good if you're looking for the brand awareness and I guess if you're looking for partners and, and vendors and all of that, what I notice and what I'm hearing from a lot of clients is you're not getting as much of the traction in terms of like the C-level decision makers from the systems or the payers um, that you would want to get in those situations. So you're paying all this money to have all of that booth space. And yeah, you're probably getting some like lower level people that are there looking at their agenda and all of that, that might walk by and, and maybe take a demo off of you. Um, but really that's not the point, right? It's not focused on those decision, on those, on those decision makers and the meetings, they have the meeting component, but it's less structured. Um, so it's good if you're trying to, again, get the brand awareness, but I think right now specifically post COVID and I'm talking just based off of like my conversations with, with my, uh, with my clients, people are having a really hard time getting into hospital and payer executives and an even harder time getting into the C-level. And then on top of that, feeling like they're not spending as much because they don't know what they're working on and things were on hold because COVID was so crazy and they don't really know which companies are the right companies. So it's kind of like a, like a crazy mess right now in terms of figuring out who to sell to and when they're in the buying mode. And, you know, the value of working with companies like us, where we have that membership piece and we're focused on organizing meetings with the C-level exec is, you know, that you're meeting with people that are, that are C-level decision makers. They know that they're there to meet with vendors. So they're never like taken off guard. It's super intimate. We're only bringing in 65 of them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> when when they come to the event, they literally let us know exactly what they're focused on, and we can only invite in vendors that could help them. So um, it's a different sell, and I think people like marketing events for different reasons. Um, but what I like to say is, like, if the bottom line is being able to generate pipeline, and closing the deal is on the company to do that. But we can control putting you in front of the right people. So 
yeah, biased opinion. Obviously, the one-to-one model works great, but I can understand why people like the trade show as well. Yeah, no, a couple thoughts there. Number one, ludicrous definitely still has it. And, um, that was, um, you know, a fantastic, he, you know, the best part is he came out and said, you guys don't even know who I am. You think that's the guy from, um, you know, fast and the furious. Um, so, you know, he, he had, he had some fun at his own expense, you know, which was nice. No, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I obviously have been more on the startup side and, um, you know, but I think I talked to a lot of, you know, a lot of different of my you know, colleagues and friends that are in sales. And I don't know if anybody ever leaves one of the mega conferences and says, oh, my gosh, this was the best, you know, the, the, the best ROI or the best time spent. Right. There's there's always and that's just the sales and it's always some to be desired. Right. But I think being right. able to. Um, you know, have some good practices on, you know, setting some clear and realistic goals, be tactical, you know, do a lot of the prep work before and after. I think it's harder though, um, you know, being, being in the moment, I think is also helpful. I mean, you know, quick example is, is, you know, I, I actually joined, joined Tendo and the first week I was at health. So it was a unique experience. I started, you know, with the company, obviously it's a, you know, startup, um, for, for sales hire, but I was at health. Right. And, um, so I didn't even know what Tendo was. Um, <laughs> but a lot of it was just organic conversations. I could pl- kind of play the new card. Um, but some of the most impactful conversations, um, that are kind of, you know, still to this day is, you know, sitting around and just, you know, chatting and, and asking questions versus, um, cause one of the health system executives, you know, kind of told me is more and more, yeah, you want to do kind of the pre-work, but, they were inundated with, you know, heading to health, heading to Vive. Like imagine, you know, you sending that and whatever creative messaging you think you have, but, you know, inboxes, are, you know, are times, you know, the hundreds of thousands and endless vendors. So it, it becomes really tough to do that. Even if you try to set up meetings before and after that everybody wants to do to capture the ROI. Um, so I think that um, the model for startups is different. Sometimes it's just, you know, having a presence and, and, and making sure you're getting some market intel for some startups, it's heading to the mega shows to do some, you know, partnership work. And I think for some of those it's, it's good. Um, but it'll be interesting to see as things kind of play out and the, the tide is shown, it's not just hems, there's digital health um, and see, see what goes on there. So um, to be determined, but I do think I agree with you. ROI is going to be key in some of these shows. And I do think that, now that there's lots of different menu options, you're going to see, you know, some clear winners and losers on um, where people decide to spend their dollars. Totally. Couldn't agree more. Perfect. Um, so we were going to have a quick, uh, you know, MJ versus LeBron, uh, but maybe we'll save it for an, a, a later day or send it up to the poll on, you know, work from home versus, uh, you know, versus, versus remote own or versus in office. Um, so I'm interested. We talked about maybe doing a, you know, starting five, but you had a, a, a very unique take on it and doing kind of a starting five on, you know, books. And so, um, you know, I had to brush off and, um, you know, take, take a look at my library. Um, but yeah, I would love for you to give, you know, kind of your, your, your top five of books that have helped you. Cause I do think that, um, now more and more people are searching, whether it's audiobook or some of those books to help them in their professional development, um, on the sales and digital health side. Totally. I think in my career, like if I didn't read some of these books, it would have like the way that I shape how I manage and the way that I sell has a lot to do with some of the things that I've learned from these books and people learn different ways. Like I think 
you know, having people that you follow on LinkedIn and, and, you know, those leaders in the sales space and the healthcare space are great for some people. But for me, like the way that I absorb things is I like to read them. Just it's fun for me. So a couple ones I like. So um, Give and Take by Adam Grant. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, it's that is like old school, but it, once I read it, my CEO actually gave it to me. I read it late. I read it last year and I know it's, it's like, it's been around forever. And he was like, I'm telling you, once you start to read it, you're going to start looking at people and like, are they a giver? Are they a matcher? Are they a taker? And you start to like adjust the way that you do things and figure out who you want to be. So I thought that was essential. I think he just, Adam Grant just came out with a new book too. Um, how to unlearn things or something. Um, but think he's again, awesome. think again. That's all, that's, that, that's all, that's on my list. Um, yeah, I can read I, that uh, one. Yeah. I read that over the summer and it also too, you know, I would hang out with it. I was actually in Austin, Texas living, but would hang out with it at the pool. And it was probably the number one book that people either a read or was like, Oh my goodness. I, I thought this was good. So yeah, it's definitely a good one. You have to add that. I have to. Yeah. Cause he's all, I mean, I loved give and take. Um, uh, uh, never split the difference by Chris Voss. I feel like that's a sales, like everyone loves that. He, I think he's unbelievable. I, did you have a, did you read that book? That, uh, that's, that's, that's on my list. We're, we're starting to oh. have, you know, identical list. That one is yeah. fantastic. I highly recommend and my goal actually in 2023 is to, you know, I, I think I just like scratched the surface on, you know, applying, you know, some of those, um, you know, both in my professional life and maybe even my personal life, um, yeah. you know, as well, but that, that one's fantastic. Um, and just super so interesting on, you know, all that transition from, you know, from saving lives to, you know, Harvard to business. Um, that's I super know. fascinating. Yeah. And he did a master class. So it, what we did, um, with our sales team here is we do, we like to like switch up the trainings with them and they know that I love books. So, um, we did a training where we had them all read a chapter a week and we would sit and train on that chapter from never split the difference. And then when we finished the book, we went to the master class cause he does a master class and he actually like will play out each of the scenarios with like an actor and explain why he does certain things. So even though a lot of our sales guys aren't closing on their own, um, it helps with the lingo when they're pitching. Um, or again, just like you said, personal life too, like the amount of things I've used in, like, I just got a new apartment. Like I was able to negotiate a couple months off the lease because of the way that I learned how to do it from this book. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think if you have a sales team or you're on a sales team and you're looking to switch up training, I think training on that book, even if you've read it is super valuable because you get to break down everything and like, think about it. Um, so that one. I don't know if you're a big Brene Brown fan. Usually, especially men, it's hard for them to wrap their head around her because she teaches a lot on vulnerability and, you know, the gender gap with vulnerability. And then she has things called uh, the two books in particular that I really like are um, Daring Greatly and Daring to Lead. Um, and it's all about leadership and leading with vulnerability and empathy and how like important it is for as a leader, for your team to feel like you're like a human and that you're not robotic. Um, and the importance of being in tune with your emotions so that you can be in tune with people that work for you and with you's emotions. Um, so it's not so much like a sales book, but those two books like greatly impacted the way that I operate at work. So I don't know if you've heard of her, but she is awesome. 
I wrote it down. It's, it's on the list. Um, you know, because I think that those are the keys is sometimes when people ask me and I wouldn't consider myself in the bucket of an avid reader, but, um, but, but I do think it's key. Sometimes, you know, people get all these sales books and it's just not interesting to them. So being able to kind of take some, you know, s- some books that aren't about sales, apply them to sales is key. Uh, I like toughness by Jay Billis. Um, that's another one um, that's, that's you know, that was, that was a good one, kind of an intersection. Um, and then I actually, um, although not sales at all, Green Lights audiobook with Matthew McConaughey and kind of, you know, being able to no, detail his... that, You're not the first person to say that. I heard it's amazing. It's maybe one where the audiobook is whatever side you stand on reading or listening to audiobook. Uh, but that's one because it has his voice um, and, you know, just, just amazing perspective. Uh, that's definitely it. one I always recommend to people on the audiobook. You can obviously read it, but I think the audiobook, because it's him, um, adds to that. No, no. Someone told me, actually, multiple people have said you have to read the audiobook one. And I'm I'm like an actual physical book reader, but um, I'm going to have to, that'll be on my list this year. Um, so that's funny. And then just last two, I don't know if you've read Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Um, he was like the U.S. Navy SEAL, huge, huge, like, just transformed the way that I think about things. And then one that's not sales-based, but more healthcare-based. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's called Being Mortal um, by Atul Gawande. So he now, I think it's Gawande. Yeah. So he's now in the Biden-Harris administration, but he was a surgeon for Brigham Women's. And he wrote this book. I read it, I think, like seven or eight years ago or six years ago or something on you know the process of dying and aging and modern medicine and the limits of medicine and it is so transforming so that's a healthcare related like anyone in healthcare i think should read that book he's so insightful and it's so good that's on my list so i guess in that bucket mine and you can you can watch the hulu show but to me bad blood um, is uh, kind of the Theranos story, but the actual book is um, is, is so detailed on um, on on the saga, and uh, you know it's obviously played out, and there's multi different ways. There's, I think there's HBO documentary and Hulu, but um, that's one where the book, and I've seen all of them, um, just does a great job. And you know that's again a healthcare around you know kind of the craziness of VC and um, yeah. you know the hope of, of being able to ca- create some kind of transformative. So that would be on my list is Bad Blood. Okay, I got to read that then. Yeah, that's a that's that's a good one. All right, well, switching gears here, and um, I guess where we can maybe go is your advice to um, a rookie sales. I mean, I think that you had unique experience kind of in your entry to sales, um, but I know you have like a unique intersection of working with digital health companies, but also having a pulse on the healthcare system executives. Um, so you know, would love just some insight into you know, just how, how, how these types of um, health system leaders, you know, think and what are some of the ways that you've seen um, and advice that you can give to either, you know, selling into them or also to just, you know, having a conversation. So <clears throat> this is my advice, no matter where you're selling, right? If you're in digital health and you're selling to a vendor or you're going straight to the system, um, I just always teach C-level. Like you got to start top down. And you got to get on the phone because I tell this. So, so, so part of our business, right? So we mostly, my team, one part of it sells 
we sell directly to a technology person and always we're teaching you start top down um, because obviously when someone's making a decision, you want to make sure that you're starting with the people that own the decision, own the budget and would actually attend the event and speak to the high level exec. So there, that's what we start. But on the other side of the business, we have a whole team that works with the C-level executives from the hospitals, right? So at our events, we're getting chief medical officers, CIOs, COOs, to come to the event. So we have a whole delegate retention and acquisition team that's talking to these executives day in and day out. And so how they carry themselves and how they're outreaching has to be different because you need to entice them to want to work with us. And it's not, you know, it's not bribing. It's more, you know, we're trying to create a relationship with them. And the things that I see work specifically in the systems and the payers um, are literally phone calls. Like, I'm not kidding. The people that aren't successful on the, you know, on any sort of team trying to sell into a system are the ones that are just exclusively link, linking in or emailing. Just from what I know, because we, we help people at the event, post-event, these C-level executives from the systems are so busy. When you're sending their, e their stuff to their email, usually their assistant is looking at it and moving on and kind of pre-qualifying and figuring out if it's even worth their time. Um, you would be surprised how nice the C-level executives are because I don't think they're used to really getting cold called anymore. And so if you're sharp and you know what you're talking about, we always call it the four C's. Like you want to get on the phone and you want to drop content, commonality, mutual customers, maybe any competition that they come up against. Like if you come in completely armored and ready to have a conversation and differentiate yourself instead of just like cold calling and having no idea what you're going to say, these executives are way more open to having a conversation. Um, same thing on the digital tech side. It's it's hard to get into a lot of these companies, especially um, when they haven't seen a lot of success selling into the hospital right now to be able to convince them to want to spend money with us and meet with the executives. But, um, you know, with any sales rep, like finding your style and preparing like i'm not a fan of like robo dialing and just trying to wing it through it i like to prepare and make sure you know what you're going in with and um i think working smart is just as important as working hard in those situations yeah that the the four c's super insightful i was you know taking notes because i do think that you can get into the um to the world of automation and you know all the strategies there but sometimes you know again especially if you've done the prep work and the research of hey i think i might have you know a, a challenge that i can solve and here's why and just kind of having a conversation is a little bit of a lost art um so love yeah. love that advice and um i think that many people sometimes in the in the rat race uh forget that uh it's a perfect segue um, to be able to finally, you kind of alluded to it, um, but kind of, you know, give a, give a quick blurb on, you know, your role, the Millennium Alliance, anything and, and kind of who you guys help and, and how people can help you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've sort of talked about it a little bit, but we put on the intimate sort of assembly platforms where we work cross industry, but specifically in the healthcare space, we work with the largest systems and the largest payers. And we bring together chief medical officers, CIOs, COOs from those systems and payers. And then we bring in technology companies that range from startups all the way to, you know, the Googles of the world, depending on why people want to use us. Um, and we bring them all together at one event. It's a two day event um, where we organize super high level meetings between 
the vendors, the solution providers, as well as the systems and the payers. So we have like a really intensive pre-qualification setup where we, you know, work with the system executives, figure out what they're focused on in terms of projects. And then we source out the right types of technology vendors that could help them with their immediate needs. So it sort of decreases the time to market in terms of, you know, discovery and figuring out what they're up to. So it helps, especially in the world right now where it's hard to get into the systems and sell into them. It helps speed up the process a little bit um, and gets you meetings with C-level execs. And then from the C-level exec perspective, from the systems, like I said before, they want to meet with people and not have the water so muddy. Like they don't, there are so many different companies out there that do so many different things. And I think they appreciate being able to source out some cool companies that maybe they might not have heard of before um, in, in a really like professional high level setting. So um, yeah. And in terms of, you know, the types of companies we work with, like I said, anyone really that could sell into a system or a payer um, we work with, startups where we help them land some of their first blue chip clients in the US that we're trying to sort of make a name there, all the way up to larger companies that really use us for lead gen and, and getting those 10 meetings four five times a year. So um, it's kind of the long and short of it. No, it's, it, it, it's, it's a super awesome model. And uh, where can people find you? And, um, you know, if they want some information, um, you know, where's, where's a good place for them to go around Millennium Alliance? Yeah. Um, go to our website, mill-all.com. Check out our event schedule there. We've got so many of them coming up this year. We've got one coming up in March in Austin. So if you live around the area, I will be there. Happy to show you around. Um, or you can email me, which Josh, you've got my email, so you could drop it in the, the, the uh, comments. But yeah, I'm on LinkedIn too. So anytime anyone has any questions, let me know. We would love to get you guys involved. And, you know, if, if all else fails, get ready for a very tactical four C's phone call from Gabby um, as well <laughs> and team. Um, no, Gabby, really appreciate you sharing. Um, I think it's you know, super insightful. Um, will be interesting to see the, um, you know, the, the debate around mega conferences, um, you know, versus, versus some other models. Cause I think it's a very, a very timely now. And, um, I appreciate it. Um, make sure if you have anybody, um, you know, the, the podcast will be available. Uh, should be Apple, Spotify, share it if, so, if it's going to help somebody. But Gabby, I really appreciate it. And um, although this will be a um, audio medium, you can see I have my Charlotte Hornets um, shirt on and, um, you know, really celebrating our, you know, race to the bottom um, last place um, here in here in Charlotte. So. Um, although MJ, um, fantastic, but, uh, there's light at the tunnel. We're trying to get the, um, you know, the seven foot three, um, next prodigy, um, in the NBA draft. So that's all we have to root for here in, uh, Charlotte in terms of sports teams. <laughs> hey, listen, you got to root for the underdogs, right? Somebody has to. <laughs> exactly. So thanks again and, um, appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.